0: Uh, a couple other things I want to, um, to address here. Remember we talked about earlier about the uh how you get authority in the coaching relationship. There there are really two sides to that uh equation. The the first is you as a leader earning uh credibility and earning the right to coach. And that comes as you uh, develop your walk with God. It comes as you're proven in ministry. It comes as you build relationships of trust. And as you come alongside of people and, and ask them questions and help them to evaluate and refocus and figure out the, uh, the resourcing uh, that allows them to do what it is God wants them to do, they will begin to, to uh, be helped by you. And uh, that will be something that will will uh, increase your position. The other side is is what do the followers do? And I've had numbers of conversations with not only you but others in in recent years uh, that in the German situation there is really a distrust of of uh, leadership that's quite strong. And one of the things that is important, I think, is to to, to begin to teach uh, and to begin to Um, cultivate a correct understanding of good followership, not a blind followership, but a a considered followership that is thoughtful. And this followership really is what makes leadership successful, that leadership is really a gift that is given to the leader by those who follow. And when leaders act responsibly and are in, in a servant capacity as, as a biblical leader would be, then the followers are more ready to follow. Now, I don't understand enough of the German situation to be able to, to spell this all out for you in a way that would solve all this problem that has emerged. But I would suggest to you That if pastors, and elders especially, would begin to just function more like coaches, their credibility would increase in the eyes of the people. Because the people would see that you really care. You really want God's best for them. You really want them to be effective. You really believe in them. And you're not just going to tell them what to do, but you're going to come alongside of them and help them figure out... I find that most people, even those that don't follow real well, will have a tendency to follow better if you start being a good coach to them. So I think that's one real important thing. And see, we're talking about the role of of elders and pastors working together in a team. And I think that's one of the critical components to say, can the pastor start acting as a coach to the elders? Can elders start to become coaches and mentors of people in the church within their sphere of of influence? By coming alongside of people to help them to, to figure out what God's agenda is and how they can take steps to move toward what God wants is the process of providing responsible leadership. And so I think that's one of the major shifts that needs to occur in the minds of elders. They're not just administrators. They are... Coaches, they're mentors. They're coming alongside with the pastor to help equip them for ministry. And I, I see that that job description flowing right out of eph- of Ephesians chapter four, because as you know in the scripture. By the way, there's some notes on this. Uh, I'm uh, I'm really right at the moment on page uh, 17. See, as you're as you're well aware of the passages of of scripture that talk about elders. You know, they have First uh, Peter chapter five, which you're well familiar with. A parallel passage you could look at would be uh, Acts chapter 20, verses um, 17 to, is it 28, or thereabouts? Excuse me, Acts chapter? Acts chapter 20, verse 17 to the end of the chapter, which is another one that talks about that shepherding role of the elder and to be an example to the flock and those types of things. Then you see the qualifications of elders in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to about 7 and Titus chapter 1 and you see and then you see Ephesians chapter 4 then also Ephesians 4 so if you want a little more complete uh, picture and then the other one on followership would be talking about uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse uh, 17 7 and 17 where it talks about respecting those who lead you and uh, to follow them so that the, so that they can give a good report to God and they won't have to do it with a bunch of grief So those are some of the major passages that you can look at to to reflect upon these. But it appears, as you look at the New Testament, there's three terms that are used interchangeably. The the terms are elder, overseer, and pastor appear to be used interchangeably. Okay? And and those terms seem to be used uh, as equals. Now, you'll notice that in in, in 1 Peter 5 and in, in 1 Timothy 3... A lot of emphasis is given to the character and the example and the life of the leader. And I use the uh, term spiritual authority to describe that dimension. And it says in 1 Peter 5 that we're not to lord over the flock, which is the leadership style of the world, but rather to have a, a servant leadership role... Coming alongside of people and helping them move in the direction God wants them to move. I think that's one of the reasons the term shepherd is used as opposed to rancher. A shepherd guides the sheep along, a rancher drives the sheep. And that driving style of leadership is not going to work very well with people. Especially uh, Americans and Germans that don't want to follow anybody. So more of the coming alongside type of leadership, I think, is going to be more effective. But it's curious to me that most of those passages don't really tell you how to do what you're supposed to do. It kind of says, be godly and be a good person and, and, live nice, right and be an I example. I think Ephesians 4 is the passage that gives the more descriptive title of what do pastors and elders really do. And to refresh your, your memory, re- recall that we talked about that word equip. And I was was making the point that a modern translation of that could be the concept of coach that we've been talking about. And that the the result of that type of coaching is found in verse 15 and 16, where it says that the body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so the, the role of the pastor, the role of the elder, is not to do all the ministry... It's not even to do the administration. There are people in the church that are gifted in these areas. Their role is to come alongside as a coach, as a mentor, to help to to empower people to be able to do what it is God wants them to do. And I would suggest to you that if pastors and elders start acting more like coaches, first with each other, and then second in their spheres of influence, that that would elevate the the level of leadership substantially because it would be good servant leadership happening. The other thing I think that would be very helpful, and, and sometimes uh, people in churches get real hung up on the titles, you know, the elders, and we want to put them up on this pedestal. I'll resist the temptation to kick off my shoes and stand on that thing. That would be probably not appropriate. In America I might do it, but not in Germany. In America could nicht do something like that, but not in Germany. The but see what happens is if we if we put putting people into a position then into a, a title, we're setting up a kind of relationship that's not going to be very productive and not going to be very helpful. Rather, I would I would select for the elders, those like cell group leaders that are very proven and and capable and effective and have godly character, I'd pick them as elders. And let them continue in that ministry as they serve. Because one of the functions is to shepherd the flock, right? What's one of the best ways to help shepherd the flock? To serve as a cell group leader, be a cell group coach. But rather appointing them to those positions, just recognize those that God is already doing, already doing that through their lives. Does that make any sense? See, we're talking about a change of mindset. And what happens first is is that before a church will change, the pastors and the elders need to change. And sometimes, though, pastors and elders get their significance because they feel like they're the only ones that can give care to people, because they're the elders. But I would suggest to you that the role of the pastor or the elders is not to do the ministry as much as come alongside of others and help them to do the ministry. Now... One of the ways that can happen is when you have a church that is organized more off the notion of spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about that in the next lesson. And we'll probably even begin to address that um, before lunch, hopefully. So, I would suggest to you that the primary thing for those of you that are leaders is that you need to start acting like coaches. And start changing the way you start working with people. And I would suggest that you don't announce to the people what you're doing. Just start doing it. They'll catch on soon enough, and they'll like it. And then after you've been doing it a while and people start enjoying it, then eventually you can change the structure. I've learned one thing. The churches do not change unless the pastor first and the key leaders second start changing the way they spend their time. See, one of my goals for being here with you this week is to, is to help give you some good, good ideas and get some clear, clear thoughts and other things. I think the more significant thing is that God may be asking you to change. And for many of you, God has been impressing upon you, I've got to take a whole different perspective about how I do my work, how I do my ministry. And I'm, I'm trying to, to help you to rethink some of those things so that you can get a confirmation from God to say this is the direction we need to go. Uh, one other thing I want to uh, talk about, and that is the uh, the one to three ratio. So you can go back to that page if you want to stay on the page. Somebody came to me and said, uh, Bob, are you talking about this type of, of chart where you have the pastor who then works with three... Who works with three, have this huge pyramid that where the pastor is way removed from the grassroots. I'm not talking about that. Rather, the structure actually looks something like this you have a pastor, and a pastor can take care of uh, generally uh, one to to uh, about one to ten in a coaching ratio. And if you're organized, that's full time, yes, clearly. So let's say you have a pastor could develop five coaches, and each coach is supervising one cell group leader. Now, in this structure, then, how many cell groups are there? Fifteen, say, times ten each, is a church of 150 adults. Probably probably that's bigger than, what, 70, 80% of the churches represented in this room? So... so if you have one to 10, if you had 10 groups, you could have a church of 300 adults. So in this type of, of, of coaching approach, you could have one pastor for every two to 300 people. Now you realize that this is making for a very flat organizational chart. Even in a larger church of, of 200 people, there's, there's cell group leader, a coach, and a pastor. And so it's very flat in that way. And with the leadership meeting, which I'm going to talk about and develop tomorrow, which about every two weeks, the pastor is meeting with all of these people. So every two weeks, a cell group leader gets personal contact with the pastor. So what we're talking about here is a very different way of thinking about church. It also, I think, shows the importance of the cell group because if the cell group is functioning like it's supposed to, the amount of demands on the elders and the pastors diminished greatly because much of the shepherding takes place in the cells. Now, we're going to elaborate all this dynamic of cell group at great length in the church growth session. But I'm just showing you the the management side of the equation and the structure. You remember I remember I told you yesterday that, that these these seminars are actually like chain-linked together. Because in my way of thinking, I cannot separate church management from church growth. I can't separate church growth from church planting, because it's all a part of the work of what God is calling the church to be. And so when I when I approach the subject of church management, is with a bias that God wants the church to make more and better disciples, and that God wants churches to grow and to reproduce themselves and multiply other churches.